0: All right, if you would, turn in the Bible to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, we're going to pick up right where we left off. We're going to start this morning in Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. One of the cool things that's come out of this uh, stay-at-home time is how many letters that we are receiving in the mail, words of encouragement, even handwritten letters. You know, in, in 2020, we have so many ways to communicate. What happens a lot with me and Val is... She'll say, uh, did you see that message about such and such? And I'll say, yeah, I got it, but I, I didn't read it yet. She said, well, can you, can you look at it and, and tell me what it says? And so I'll, I'll go back through my phone and I'll say, well, well, wasn't it an email? And she said, well, maybe not. Maybe it was a text. So now I'm looking into my text. I'm saying, I'm not seeing it here. It's not a text or an email. And then she said, well, maybe it didn't come through email or text. Maybe it came through social media somewhere. I'm like, well, wh- where, where, where would it be? Which one is it? And then come to find out it actually came through the WhatsApp app through the text. So I had to go look there and we've got so many ways to communicate and yet I have found over the last month or so that one of the most meaningful things is to go to the mailbox, open it up and find that somebody has sent us a letter. Over the past several weeks my kids have gotten a handful of cards from other kids and and from adults. Just writing to them. Some are like birthday cards, but some are just, hey, what are you doing? How are you spending your time? What do you like to do with your dad? Things like that. It's been really, really cool. It's nice to be able to get a handwritten letter that expresses something that shows that you matter to the person, that they care for you. This is what the book of Philippians is about. and We finally come to this point at Philippians chapter 4, here at the end at verse 10. One commentator has said that Philippians is basically just a thank you letter. That Paul wrote to the Philippian church that he planted to tell them thank you because they have been supporting him. Paul knew the Philippian church to be an encouragement to be one that expressed their love for him, and they helped him financially on multiple occasions. And so this short letter, as we've said several times, four chapters, 121 verses, this short letter is a thank you letter. Now, of course, he brings up many other things, but here today, we get to the part where he says, thank you. Read with me at Philippians 4, beginning in verse 10. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul is ending the letter and he is thankful. I've titled this sermon The Secret to Contentment. And I have 3 points for you today. Number 1, the strength of concern. The strength of concern. Number 2, the secret to contentment. The secret to contentment. And number 3, the source of confidence. The strength of concern, the s- secret to contentment, and the source of confidence. Let's begin back here at verse 10. Number one, the strength of concern. Paul's letter to the Philippian church is to say thank you that they have shown concern for him. This is beautiful. If you love church, then you get this. If you are a part of a body where you want lives to come together and connect and you love one another and serve one another and you, you know each other and you're known by each other and you, you know that we weep with those that weep and we rejoice with those that rejoice, then we really like hearing Paul express that he is thankful to God that they are concerned for him. Look at verse 10. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. The church felt concern for Paul. And concern is a good word, is it not? It's saying that they think of him. It's saying that they uh, wonder how he's doing. They think of how his effort in ministry is going. It it shows that they love him. It shows that he matters to them. And it is showing that from those feelings, they now let him know that. They have shown concern for him. It, it, It is a beautiful thing. And he speaks to that a little bit more. If you look down to verse 14, he says that they shared in his trouble. He travels He has needs, he needs funds, he's a church planter, he doesn't have a lot of worldly possessions, he often faces opposition, he has suffered a lot, persecution, and they cared about that. They shared in that, what a phrase. You shared in my trouble. If you get involved in a church, one of the things that you will get to see firsthand is somebody who's going through a hard time and yet see other believers come alongside of them during that hard time. This is what Paul speaks about in verse 14, about their concern for him. Their concern for him strengthens him. He goes on to say that they supported him. He enter, they entered into partnership with him. And he even says that none of the other churches did. When he was in Macedonia, we've talked about in Macedonia alone, we have Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. We know of those three churches, but the Thessalonians and the Bereans did not support him. It's not that they were wrong in that, but he's pointing out that the Philippians did. If you look back to chapter 1, verse 7, he says... It is right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace. He goes on to speak of the partner up at verse five. He says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, it's right for me to feel good about you as partners because you have shown your concern for me. He talks about the gifts that they sent to him. He talks about the ways that they've loved him. He talks about how the ways they were obedient to God and God used them. And what we have here is a church caring about a missionary or a believer and it is strengthening him. You need to learn here today that when you show concern for somebody, when you show concern, it strengthens them. We all at times need strength. We all need buildup. We need encouragement. We need somebody to love on us. And perhaps one of the strongest ways for you to be strengthened is for somebody to just show concern for you. A call, a letter, a getting into your life, a helping you out, a learning what your burden is and learning to walk with you and carry that burden. When we show concern, the person is strengthened. Now, I wanna point out, and I didn't notice this until now, and this is why it's good to study and prepare, But in this short letter to the Philippians, Paul has used the word concern 10 times. Now, it's not always translated concern. Chapter 1, verse 7. Chapter 2, verse 2, he uses it twice. Chapter 2, verse 5. Chapter 3, verse 15, he uses it twice. Chapter 3, verse 19. Chapter 4, verse 2. And then here at chapter 4, verse 10, he uses the word concern uh, uh, two times again. Ten times total, he uses this word. He uses it in different ways. He says he he uses it sometimes as as a way of thinking. He uses this word sometimes as a feeling. He uses it sometimes as an attitude, Philippians 2.5, the attitude of Christ. He uses it sometimes as a mindset and he uses it here as concern. One commentator says, all of these uses of the word point to the crucial importance of having the attitude of mind that builds relationships. You matter to me, I matter to you. We have to be able to show that we matter to each other and that's called showing concern and through that people are strengthened. You need to understand that God in working in your life has called you to know him and love him. And God has called you to to, to know him and love him and help other people know him and love him. To be a believer is to help other people be believers. To be a worshiper of God is to help other people worship God. To be a follower of Christ is to help other people follow Christ. And this happens when we show concern. Now notice in verse 10, here at the beginning, he doesn't just say, thank you guys. Man, y'all are so awesome. You're the best church I've ever visited. Y'all are just incredible. I couldn't do it without you. I don't know what I would be, I don't know what I would be like were it not for the Philippians. He doesn't go that way. He doesn't. He begins this awesome thankfulness to the church By saying, I rejoiced in the Lord. Not just a thankfulness to God, although that's there. Not just a gratitude he feels in his heart, but a rejoicing, a worship, a praising of God, a rejoicing in the Lord. He says that because they were concerned about him. Paul thinks that the church being the church and support to believers and love being uh, going this direction and God's work going this direction is what God is doing. Listen to this quote. This central focus on God transforms the transaction of giving and receiving among Christians from a human horizontal exchange, listen to this, to a divine human triangular interaction. God initiates giving, God empowers givers, God supplies gifts, and God meets needs. Is that not outstanding? Let me say that again, God initiates giving, God empowers givers, God supplies the gifts to the givers, and then God meets the needs in people's lives through people that did it, but God did it all, and Paul knows this. So he loves the Philippian church because they are concerned for him, and in so many ways, his ministry advances because of the Philippian church's support for him, but he also knows that that's the way God is. That's how God works. And so it's never just, man, they're awesome, thanks for the help, couldn't do it without you. It's this triangular thing that commentator Hansen speaks of. It's outstanding. This is Christianity. Earlier, Matt McBroom read from the, from from Hebrews chapter 13. And I want to read you just these two verses, 15 and 16 of Hebrews 13, where it speaks to this. It says, through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Listen to this. Do not neglect to do good, listen, and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. The book of Hebrews tells us don't neglect sharing your lives and sharing your stuff and sharing your resources. Resources. Do not neglect showing concern. We are to be a people who when we know that somebody's got a surgery going on tomorrow, then we want to be thinking about them and praying for them. And as soon as we can, once we know that they are, are, are home, we can call them and say, hey, how's it going? We know that somebody's got something heavy coming up. We want to say, hey, I'll be praying for you. If we know that somebody's not been feeling well, we can call and check up on them, right? We want to be able to express concern. Let me also right now point out, that here Paul is clearly not just talking about, hey, how you been feeling, man? Hey, how's the work going? Here Paul is talking about spiritual concern. And when we talk about being concerned for one another, we, we want each other to be happy. We want to make sure you still got your job. Do you have all the food that you need? And We want to model concern in every area of life, but we certainly want to model concern for you spiritually. Hey, how you doing? You still following Jesus? You still love him? Do you still repent of your sins? Hey, remember when we used to pray together all the time. We I know we haven't done it lately. Do you still pray? Hey, remember when we used to hold each other accountable because we knew that sin would pull us away from God. Hey, do you remember when we used to cry over our hardness of heart? Do you remember when we used to get upset and be broken over how far we were from God? Hey, do you remember when you and I cared about the nations? In the people groups of the world. You still think about that? I'm concerned about my heart. I'm concerned about your heart. I'm concerned about your soul. I'm concerned about your faith. Paul thanks the Philippian church for being concerned about him. Church, we would do well. Believer, you would do well to increase your concern for others. There is strength in showing concern. And we see this here. Paul finds strength in the Philippian church being concerned for him. I remember several years ago, I heard this story and it it cracks me up, but I got to tell it to you. Somebody showed me a story where a pastor's wife in a church had grown to where she didn't like the church anymore. She said she didn't have any relationships. Nobody talked to her. She didn't talk to anybody. And all she ever did was show up into church, sit down, nobody spoke to her, the service ended, and she left. That was the extent of it. So then she had this idea. She found somebody that looked just like her. She started paying that person to do the exact same thing, park in the exact same spot, come in, sit down, as soon as the service ends, leaves, and that'll be it. And she said, Nay, no, they won't bother you. They won't talk to you. They never talk to me. It'll be fine. And she said for two years, it worked. Two years. Folks, if we can go a week, a month, two years, without showing concern for each other or having somebody show concern for us, We are really weak in the faith. It is a sign of being unhealthy. Paul rejoices in the Lord and finds strength through their concern for him. Number one, there is strength and concern. But number two, there is a secret to his contentment. While Paul is praising God and thanking the church for their concern, he now goes out of his way to make sure the Philippians know that his soul is not dependent upon their concern. And this is the balance that we all live in with encouragement. We all need encouragement, but if I don't get the encouragement, I ought not to lose my salvation because my, my salvation is not in you, my salvation is in Jesus, right? Jesus is the one who died for me, so if you let me down, I'm not let down. And Paul makes a point right here to point this out, it's outstanding. This is the secret to contentment. Look at verse 11. Not that I am speaking of being in need. He is thankful that they are concerned for him, and he does have some needs, or he does need uh, concern to be expressed. He needs love and encouragement and all that. But he makes a point here to say that he doesn't really need anything because look what he says I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I said last week that sometimes we don't have to preach the Bible. If we will just read it and think about it, God will go to work on us. And that is absolutely true. Uh, Chapter four, verse 11, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Listen to me. Every single one of us right now in 2020 need to focus on that every single, I know I do, I know my family does, I know, I know, I know that my, my home does, in whatever situation, because right now we're all in a situation that we wish it was not this way. And Paul says he has learned in whatever situation to be content. Now, we don't want it to be that way, but that's the way it is. Then he goes on in verse 12 and he says, I know how to be brought low, I know how to abound, in any and every circumstance, look at this, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I mean, Paul is throwing some haymakers here with these quotes, not in need. I have learned whatever situation I'm to be content. I've learned the secret. Paul here is saying he's all right. While he is praising the church in this thank-you letter, the letter to the Philippians, that they are concerned for him, and as beautiful as that is inside of Christianity and church life and ministry, that we would be concerned for one another, he comes back with something much deeper and says, "I'm all right." And here's the secret. Listen to this. Here's the secret. The secret is Jesus. If you have not listened to a Bible sermon in a long time, listen to me. This is it. The secret is Jesus. God is enough for him. His soul has been saved. He is right with God. Until you learn that God is enough, you will find yourself thinking nothing is enough until you learn that nothing's going to fill you up except God, you won't be filled up. And this is what Paul is telling them. He's been hungry. He's been fed. He's been rich. He's been poor. He's had abundance. He's had need. And you know what? He is content in whatever situation. He's been disappointed, let down. He's been near death. He's been arrested. He's been in jail. He's been depressed. He's been through every single thing, thorns in his side, persecution, everybody forgetting about him. He's been through it all. And he says, you know, know what? I'm all right. God's got me. God won't let me down. God knows what he's doing with me. I can trust him. It is outstanding, which reminds me of a song that we used to sing. And perhaps you'll remember it. Listen to these lyrics. This is hymn 539. All my life, I had a longing for a drink from some clear spring that I hoped would quench, quench the burning of the thirst I felt within hallelujah i have found him whom my soul so long has craved jesus satisfies my longings and by his blood i now am saved feeding on the husks around me till my strength was almost gone longed my soul for something better only still to hunger on poor I was and sought for riches something that would satisfy but the dust I gathered round me only mocked my soul's sad cry well of water ever springing bread of life so rich and free untold wealth that never faileth my my redeemer is to me Hallelujah, I have found him whom my soul so long has craved. Jesus satisfies my longings and through his blood I now am saved. The Apostle Paul tells the Philippian church, thank you for being concerned for me. It has strengthened me. But then he moves into, I have found the secret of contentment. And listen here, Philippians, whether it's good or bad or up or down, whether I've got a lot or I don't at all, I am content because I have Jesus. I have Jesus. Listen to what commentator Hanson says. His joy in the Lord was not heightened by prosperity or diminished by poverty, by poverty. His concern for the welfare of others was not distracted by living in plenty or in want. His contentment in prosperity did not lead him to self indulgence or self aggrandizement. Having material things did not become his reason for joy. Acquiring material things did not make him greedy. Protecting material things did not make him anxious. What we see with Paul is whatever situation he was in, Jesus was his thing. Jesus is what satisfied him. Jesus was his Lord, his God, his King. Jesus is what influenced him. And so Jesus was his contentment. He goes on to say, all of Paul's activities, all of his emotions, all of his thoughts are within the sphere of Christ's presence. Listen to this. In chapter one, he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. In chapter two, he said, I am confident in the Lord, 224. In chapter three, verse 10, he says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. And in chapter four, verse 10, where we are now, he says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord. If you are to study the life of Paul, you won't know what circumstance he's in. His faith is so grounded in Jesus being his treasure like Jesus himself teaches us that he is. Jesus is the treasure. He is so grounded in Jesus being enough for him, Jesus being the pleasure, the treasure, the satisfaction in life that you can't tell whether he was rich or poor. You don't know anything about his marriage. You don't know anything about his kids. You don't know if he was coaching a ball team or if he was sitting at home lonely. You don't know about Paul because he was so content in Christ. His circumstances did not define him. He had learned to be content. And he even says, I'm not making this up. He even says in verse 12, I've learned the secret of being content. And the secret is Jesus I remember when I was in college, I was, man, I was getting more and more involved in church. I was reading my Bible. God was growing me so much in those years. They were so formative for me. And and I remember just looking seriously at at every man that I saw thinking, how's he doing? How's God influencing his life? Does he really have a faith? Does he trust in God? And just looking at every man that I ever saw in church and wanting to analyze them. And I'll never forget this. I remember a man, he was pretty successful, had, had, had a good life, and he walked with Christ. And I remember him saying... I remember him telling us this. He was much older than me, but I looked up to him. He got offered a big-time promotion. He got offered a big-time promotion where he would make three times as much as he made now. Big opportunity. And I remember thinking, wow, and at my stage of life, I thought, well, I guess he's leaving. He would have to leave the state and move to another city, but it was just three times as much pay. It was gonna be incredible. Incredible. And I remember him coming back saying, I turned it down. And I remember at that stage of my life, I must have been 18 or 19 going, what? He said, yeah, you know what, man? I think God's got me in a good spot right now. Things are going well for me here. I feel close to God. I'm walking with him. We're content where we are right now. That was 20 years ago, maybe more than that. And I've never forgot looking up to an older man who had a relationship with God and having an opportunity of a lifetime to move somewhere else and make three times as much. Imagine right now if you could move and make three times as much as you make right now and this guy's saying, you know, we're content where we are right now. Where does that come from? Well, it comes from having a close relationship with Jesus. There's a secret to where that comes from and it's Christ. I don't wanna to take too long telling a story. But years ago, I had a crazy thing happen to me and I ended up finding myself in a, in a friendship with one of the men that owned the boat on the river where you go to gamble. He owned it. And one night he asked Val and I to go to dinner with him there. That was the first time and only time that I've ever been there and I've never even uh, gambled a cent there but I went there one time and he, he kind of showed us, showed us around and it was, a, it was a neat experience but as we were walking around that night and I'm just being in awe of all the people that are there gambling like crazy, he turned around to me and, me and Val one time and he said, I want to tell y'all something right now. I'm paying for everything here. You're going to have a good time tonight but listen to me. Promise me that you won't ever come here and gamble. The man that owned the boat looked me in the eye and said, promise me that you'll never do this. I said, well, I don't think you really have to worry about it, but why are you saying that? You're the one that owns this place. He said, I've never gambled a day in my life. I'm telling y'all the honest truth. He said this to me. He said, you know who's here? People who want to get rich so bad. They wish so badly they could get rich. Listen to me, church. If you are a believer in Jesus, run to him now and let him satisfy you, and don't be that foolish person that is so desiring to get rich that you'll sell your soul or or leave your faith or go against what brings you contentment in search of something else. He went on to say, we got rich people here who can afford to lose some money, and we got poor people here who have no other hope to be happy. That's what he told me. The man that owned it, he has since passed away. But Val and I have never forgotten that. He knew one thing, money won't make you happy. But I know something else, he's right, only Jesus will. The Apostle Paul, who quite assuredly lived a less comfortable life than us, says here in Philippians 4, I have learned the secret to contentment, and it's Jesus. Number one, there is strength in concern. When we express concern for each other, it gives us strength. But number two, there is a secret to contentment. Jesus is enough for us. God is enough. Jesus is the secret to us being content in this life. And how do we know that? Because lastly, number three, we see the source of confidence. Paul, with not much to boast in his own life, was a confident man. Look at chapter four, verse 13. I can do all things through him, Christ, who strengthens me. Paul says, I don't know what situation I'm going to be in, but I'll be able to make it through it. Because the strength to get me through it doesn't come from me. The strength to get me through hunger or abundance or plenty or need or suffering or, 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 or good, good situations or high or low or whatever the situation is, whatever strength it needs, God supplies. Christ is the one who strengthens me. That's what he says. He goes on in verse 19 if you look down. He takes that same faith that he has in that relationship and applies it now to them. He says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Paul knew that when you trust Christ, he gives you such a strength that whatever your needs are, he will make you content through them. That God supplies the strength we need in our needs. Now, we all know with any maturity at all that God doesn't give any promises to meet our wants. And so one of the things that we have to grow in is what are the differences between our needs and our wants? Well, and that takes some thought, that takes some looking in the mirror, that takes some honesty, right? But the Bible teaches us that the child of God, the follower of Christ will never be in need. God will meet their needs. Paul is confident in this. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. It's the same Paul who would write to Timothy. And we love to look at First uh, and 2 Timothy and Titus because we see the older Paul writing to these younger guys. And so he's pouring his life into them. It's really helpful for us. And listen to what he says. Second Timothy chapter one, verse 12. This is why I suffer as I do. So he's writing to a younger minister about how much he suffers. And there's a chance there for you to feel some shame or some uh, weakness or some embarrassment about uh, how much you have to really teach somebody if your life is just a big picture of suffering, which Paul's was. And now he's a mentor to a younger preacher. Listen to what he says next. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Paul knew Christ. Paul knew that Jesus changes lives. Paul knew that if anybody in any situation would turn to him and say, God, forgive me of my sins. God, I need you. God, help me. God, have mercy on me. That if anybody cries out to him and believes that Christ died on the cross and rose again, that God would forgive them. God is a savior. God is a strength giver. God is the source of his confidence. And Paul knew that. Perhaps you have heard before, of Johnny Erickson Tata, you've heard of her, right? She's she's known as being one of the the very best at helping Christians think through suffering. Johnny Erickson Tata was born in 1949. Her father was in the Olympics in the 30s. Okay. And when she was a teenager in the 1960s, she had a diving accident. As she dove into water, she broke her neck, broke her back. That was in 1967. She would be paralyzed from her shoulders down. A quadriplegic. And so now in 2020, it has been 52 years that Johnny Erickson Tata has been stuck in a wheelchair. She wouldn't use the word stuck. She's been in a wheelchair for 52 years and nothing below her shoulders can she move at all. And Johnny Erickson Tata now travels the country and travels the world teaching people that she has a relationship with Jesus even in that situation. If you ever heard Johnny Erickson Tata speak or you read one of her books, you would hear her say this, and I quote, I really would rather be in this wheelchair knowing Jesus as I do, than be on my feet without him. Now when you hear that, I know you start to think, yeah, right. But we have a lady named Johnny Erickson Tata who has now been living for 50 plus years, paralyzed and in a wheelchair, who walks with Christ. In the book of Philippians, we have the apostle writing a letter to them to say thank you. And as he says thank you, he is strengthened by their concern. But as an opportunity to teach them about the role that concern has in the life of the church and the life of the believer, he goes on this awesome teaching moment to say, I'm content. And the reason why I'm content is because I know Jesus And the source of my confidence is the strength that Jesus gives. This morning, we need to consider, do we really know him? Are we hoping that in our lives, with our best effort, Jesus will come alongside us and help when we need help? Because that's not it. That's not Christianity. Christianity is We have come to Christ to forgive us of our sins. And in that state of being needy, he has met us and forgiven us. And as he has forgiven us of our sins, he has satisfied our souls. And as our souls have found peace and contentment, we find strength to live for God. The honest truth is, we don't know what's coming tomorrow. We don't know if things are going to get better or worse. We don't know what the future holds. But we know this, that God who saved us and brought us to this point will be with us whatever we face. May you be able to say like Paul, I have learned the secret. Christ is my strength. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for Philippians chapter four. We thank you, God, for a final chapter in this book that is so short that that expresses to us what it means to have relationships that help you grow. Oh, Father, we pray that the relationships here at First Baptist Fairdale would help us grow, that they would have concern and give out strength, and, Father, that they would help us be close to Christ. Oh, God, help us be able to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Whatever those things may be, you're the source. Father, thank you that we have example after example of people who are content in you, strengthened in you, and confident in you. Father, may that be our faith. To God be the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.